Dan and Corey here, welcoming you in to Libservative. The great fundamental issue now before our people. All right, welcome in. That was a little bit of an inve- yes. a little bit of an adventure there at the uh, at the beginning. Welcome into Libservative. He, of course, is Corey Walsh. Oh, and he's Dan Griffin, and we are Libservative. We are we are Libservative. I was gonna just say we should just go right into the show and not mention the fact that we're li- that we're dressed like founding fathers, but I feel like I have oh, to say fuck. something. Now out. you mentioned it. <laughs> I just couldn't. I, I wanted couldn't. to see how long it took the audience to find out. I couldn't resist because your wig is kind of puby and unkempt, and, <laughs> and mine is uh, newer, very you know, and really tight. Founding a nation isn't neat and clean, Dan. I'm sorry. Squeezing the shit out of my head. Uh, what do we have coming up tonight, Corey? We have, uh, we're going to talk about, first of all, we're, we're definitely going to talk about the, uh, uh, Ukraine counteroffensive. We have to discuss that. We're going to talk about a politician actually talking about real clean energy. And, uh, you have been dying to give the people a union update. So we're going to get to that. Yeah. I've been trying to give union updates for a while here. We got that. We got, uh, yeah, some, some, uh, Clean energy conversation that's gonna lead to some real clean energy. I have a monologue about abortion that's really gonna make some people mad and other people happy and then mad again and then happy again. <laughs> that's like that's all you can ask for, right? <laughs> Absolutely. So, are you drinking anything specific tonight? Because I'm not. I, I, I don't didn't think we we're gonna talk about our beverages this evening. I'm just drinking high noons because that's what our founding fathers I drank. Am drinking. And a little bit of Huma over here. Some champagne of beers. Again. Per use, because you know, that's my drink. And then I am drinking, I actually just finished off the bottle of my Basil Hayden's. That's so fitting. So, some Basil Hayden's. It's so fitting for that outfit. It just Why feels is that like, fitting? I don't know, it just feels like something a, a founding father would drink. Yeah. Would a founding father drink Buffalo Trace? I don't know. <laughs> it wasn't even America yet. They didn't have American whiskey. <laughs> wasn't even America yet. Right, right. But real quick before we get diving too deep into the reads. Yeah, get after it. Libservative Podcast is found on all social media and podcast platforms. Our website is podpage.com slash libservative. We can be found at Libservative on Facebook, YouTube, and Twitch. Instagram and Twitter at Libservative Pod. And you can find our monologues at libservativepodcast.wordpress.com. Our TikTok videos can be found at Libservative Podcast. And you can reach out directly at Libservative Pod. Like, follow, share, subscribe, tell a friend, and even give a review. Those last two are actually the ones that are pretty important. Telling friends and giving reviews is what's going to make more people see me and Dan dressed like the Founding Fathers. <laughs> <laughs> This wig is too tight. My vest is too tight. I don't know how the hell they dress like this, but uh, here we go. Yeah, they not only did they dress like this, Dan, they started the goddamn country. 
It was it was humid. It was nasty. It was just <laughs> it was oh. just shitty. Can you imagine the swamp ass? <coughs> in those, I'm just sitting in an air controlled room. In those, so yes, I can imagine the, the swamp ass. Swamp ass in those in the wool clothes. Luckily, you know the the remakes here. There's a little bit of polyester in here, so we're we're, we're a little bit cool. But I'm I'm sweating, <laughs> right? sweating my nuts a off. More, a little less lo- wool. A little more polyester. A little less child labor involved than it oh, was two hundreds. Only a little bit less. Speaking let's be of honest. speaking of child labor, Ron DeSantis. I don't know what that has to do with child labor. I just thought I'd go with it. <laughs> I was going to say, well, well, hold hold on before we talk about DeSantis uh, being a master troll. Do you? I was going to say, what's new, Dan? Uh, what's new is that I was laughing my ass off at what Ron DeSantis did yesterday. <laughs> That's what's new. Oh. I didn't have anything else to say. Uh, so <laughs> Ron DeSantis completely trolling the coastal elite with brown people's problems. Don't you love this? It's it's so it's so fun, right? Because apparently at least at least Ron DeSantis, the governor of Florida is taking credit for shipping a bunch of migrants up to Martha's Vineyard. Now there are some there, there's some uh discrepancy as to whether or not DeSantis is actually responsible for this. The flight logs are showing that these people originally came from Texas uh, with a short layover in Florida and then eventually up to Martha's Vineyard. But either way, somebody is sending migrants to Martha's Vineyard. Now, Corey and I, at least I'm not going to speak for Corey, but I have given brief opinions on what I think about the... uh, um, the uh, immigration issue, particularly at our at our southern border, and I don't get too deep into the weeds on it because I'm not down there. I haven't looked into what's actually going on down there. As somebody who has libertarian tendencies here and there, I tend to think that immigration is kind of a good thing because free markets and what have you. But uh, I find it really hilarious. <laughs> that the coastal elites in places like Martha's Vineyard, when you're talking about uh, Manhattan, New York City, when you're talking about the West Coast, the 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 ultra limousine liberal types, if you will, constantly talking about how they 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 support sanctuary cities, they live in sanctuary cities. Everybody, hey, if they, if they don't want you, we'll take you, kind of thing. Until the migrants actually come to them. Because why, Corey? They don't. It's it. We 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 want migrants, but we don't want them living near Here. us. They're kind of disgusting. Let's keep them over there's, there. There's a term for this, Dan. It's uh, it's NIMBY, and it's an acronym for "Not in My Backyard." And during Trump's uh, administration, when we had like, it's. I'm I'm kind of really sick and tired of the idea of saying that there's a uh, border crisis is a partisan polarized issue to when it's it is that's just a fact. What's happening on our border is a mess, but it's like almost like a fabricated mess like intentionally because like politics are involved. But in 2016 when Trump was president, we had a bunch of democratic cities and states touting how they were the more virtuous ones they were like 
the ones that are on the high road with their sanctuary cities where prosecutors and attorney generals weren't going to prosecute illegal immigrants just for existing, which I'm fine with. You know what I mean? I, I'm, I'm okay with that. I'll, I'll uh, unpack my ideas and what should be done with the border in a second here. But now it's four years later. And we've had four years of these northern non-border cities and states talking about how they are there to help and protect illegal immigrants, citing the words on the Statue of Liberty countless times to where I can almost say it verbatim, where it's a give me your poor, your tired, your weak, your huddled masses. That and all damn sorts of Ellis like Island that. where they just let everybody in. Right. And then now all of a sudden, so these Republicans, which, you know, it's done in bad faith. Let's be honest. It's done in a really shitty way. It's really shitty to see human beings being used as a political token to get, you know, their 30 seconds on their national cheese on their TVs to get their couple little sound bites and stuff like that. That's shitty to see. Sure. But on the flip side of it, you're seeing these people who are in these states who are actually dealing with a very, very big uh, immigration crisis, making Democrats who are a thousand miles away uh, put their money where their mouth is, essentially. And they're sending immigrants to these sanctuary cities who have been touting that they're there to help them for four years. And they've literally sent, I mean, we're talking like, 0.001, 0.1% of what they're seeing on the borders down south to these cities. And they're up in arms saying that they're over, they're overburdened. They can't handle this immigration crisis. And there's too many people here. And that's, what makes it so weird because like on the, uh, on the virtuous standpoint, they are right when they say, Oh my God, like you're just using these people as a pawn just for your political things that's like you know what you're right but you were doing the same thing when the roles were reversed when you weren't offering any way to solve the immigration crisis when these people were down on the border in cages and you were just instead of actually trying to create like real pragmatic reforms to the immigration policies that we have to solve these problems you just bitched about children in cages for four years that are still in cages but because biden's president you don't talk about oh, it. oh by the way oh, by the way obama built those cages Obama built them. Trump kept uh, the animals. Trump or, used them. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> Trump used them, kept the children in it, <laughs> and then an treated them like animals. I meant to say I treated them like animals. <laughs> That's what I uh, the treated like is a very, very big, important word in there. I know you caught that slip. I was trying to just roll past it. <laughs> you got really nervous but, for a second. <laughs> I was like, oh, no, 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 no. That was, That's a, Fre- what that was a Freudian <laughs> slip. And then Biden decided, he's like, well, I like these cages because my boy Obama built them, so he used them too. And then he's like, I also like my boy Trump's uh, walls, so I'm going to work on those and build those as well. I, I mean, and that's just it. Like, have you ever noticed? Robbie, how- shut up. This is not a fucking wig. This is my real hair. <laughs> have you ever? <laughs> have you ever? Have you ever noticed? <laughs> have you ever noticed how like none of these sanctuary cities are like anywhere close to the border? And I mean, what seems like thousands of miles, but at least hundreds of miles, they all are. From the border, and while I'm somebody who supports, right, and it's kind of it's it's funny because it's like here we are in Detroit, and it's like, yeah. well, you know, if if some random person from Ukraine really needed a place to stay, 
then absolutely they could stay at my house. Yeah, because it's easy for me to say that right now, Dan, because there's no fucking way a person from Ukraine is going to show up at my house that needed a place to stay. The other thing, too, because when they do, I'm going to immediately go, oh, fuck. You know what? I mean, I have a couch, maybe. Uh, You want this extra blanket? You you missed the most important thing, Corey. Somebody from Ukraine has white skin. Isn't that interesting how the immigration crisis with Ukraine has been able to be just taken care of no problem? Yeah, because they have white skin. Nobody cares. We'll, 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 do, we'll do anything we can for people. Yeah, that's, with white skin. that's the thing is you could take someone from Ukraine, plop them in the middle of Metro Detroit, and as long as they're not talking, everyone's going to be like, oh, he just lives here. <laughs> or you she. plop someone in from Mexico. Don't assume that Ukrainian's gender. Guy, girl, I don't give a fuck. You could throw them in the middle of Kroger by my house, and they're just going to blend in a lot more than someone from the south. It's just, it's just, just looking confused. They're like, I don't know. The plane took me here. It's Por-K? just, it's just interesting. Por-K? Like, I think, I think we need to do a little bit better job of listening to folks that are actually close to the border because this is this is a this is something that we haven't <laughs> felt yet. Obviously, with you and I being Detroiters or. Uh, suburban Detroiters, you know, New Yorkers, uh, Seattle, Chicago, all these places are are forever away from the border and seeing what's actually happening here. And we know that um, we're seeing more border districts go a little bit more Republican. And these are people with brown skin. These are Hispanic folks that have traditionally voted Democrat. Now, all of a sudden, they're voting Republican. Like there has to be there's something to this. Right. I don't know what it is. You don't know what it is. We don't claim to know what it is. I'll tell you what it is. It's fucking politics that are just keeping the border fucked up like intentionally because it's the same thing as Roe v. Wade. It's just a political talking point to be able to vote on. Understood. Yeah. But like as far as what's actually happening, you know, I don't think we're doing enough. We're doing a lot of talking and not a lot of listening whether it's listening to people as they vote with oh, with both their okay, ballots and their feet, right? Because it, it, it doesn't, like, traditionally Democratic districts at the border turning red, like, that shouldn't that be, like, a flag? I'm not even going to say a red flag, but just, like, a flag of some kind for us to be like... <laughs> yeah, no, the, the, using the color. <laughs> using the color makes it more political than it actually is, but maybe, that's a term, maybe, yeah. Maybe we should it is, pay that's a, a red flag. But maybe we should pay a little bit more attention to what's happening down there and listen to the people that are actually down there experiencing this stuff, as opposed to just going, ah, oh, they're just white supremacists. Even though, yeah, even right? though most of these districts are, like, 80% Hispanic. That are all of, right. All like, of when's the last time you Republican. heard? Like, when's the last time you heard a border patrol agent interview on like a left leaning publication? Um, you won't because they won't they won't uh, they won't perpetuate the narrative. Because when you hear it, and it's not even them being racist, it's not even them being anything. It's just them going, "Yeah, this is bad." <laughs> like I'm down here, and like by the time I well, process these. 600 there's 4000 more you know and and the and other like, thing those too aren't is, exaggerated numbers we're talking about numbers that cross this border every day at this rate and the other thing too is and this is something you and I have talked about on this show so if you're a new listener uh, please go back and check out some of our older episodes is like republicans aren't innocent in this you know while they while they may be experiencing 
you know, border crossings at record rates or whatever the hell they say. I'm not even like, I'm not even saying that those things are true. They might be, they might not be. I don't know. And I'm not going to say that I know, but Republicans also, or right wingers or conservatives in general also have a place in this when it comes to your politicians, because, you know, the uh, issues that we've caused in South America that have fucked over economies there and fucked over republics there that have caused these folks to drive themselves north to come into our country. Like, it's not like, like, even if there is actually a border crisis and Republicans are right about that at the border, like, you have ways in which you could have prevented these things from happening in the first place and going forward. Will they? Probably not. Yeah, and that's, that's so that's what frustrates me. Like, I, I can appreciate the fact that uh, these red states are definitely, like, giving the blue states a little bit of a taste of their own medicine going, Hey, look, this is what we're dealing with. And it's, 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 uh, it's shitty. Like I said, that real lives are being used as pawns, but in all reality, if you really want to think about it, we are putting these people who are trying to come here for a better life in more friendly scenarios. So the red States aren't hurting these people. They're putting them in places that like of that where people are more, uh, compassionate to help at least they say they are we'll see um but on top of that we're seeing them really like make the the cracks and everything that's happening in the border policies apparent to the rest of the world and what frustrates me is when you look up like trends of how many people were coming into ellis island in the 1800s versus now like some of the numbers on during on their peaks versus now are comparable we had a million people come into america and 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 a year span uh in ellis island just like we are down at the southern border the chokehold but those those cory can i just can i just say the difference those were white people yeah, but that, let's be let's 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 be real honest about it I'm when we talk around. about back then, around. you know, fucking patties, you know, the Irish, you know, they were the white trash, they were the you know the the what you know, like you the just, disparaged people of Europe at the time we're talking patties? even though they were huh? Did you yeah, just call fucking my patties. Patties. <laughs> yeah, as an Irishman I can say that a bunch of fucking mix came over during the potato famine <laughs> <laughs> and then came over here. And, you know, I mean, like, and like, you know, they were all coming over here and they weren't necessarily welcome. They called, you know, there was a huge faction that was happening called the natives and the immigrants. And the Republican Party was actually sitting on the docks going, welcome to America, vote Republican and handing out fucking (laughs) pamphlets saying to vote Republican. And then it changed real quick. And what I think could really solve this problem is we need to figure out a way. I mean, we have the fucking technology to streamline the Southern border to where we can process thousands and thousands of people a day, just like we did on Ellis Island. We have fucking computers in the internet. You can add people in the databases for this type of thing. And I know everyone's talking about, Ooh, you know, big government databases. There's a baseline that we've all been uncomfortable with when it comes to social security numbers, residents, and everything that is American citizens, let's put them on the same shit. They can come here, they come in, they get a fucking citizenship, and they get their shit, and then they can leave the fucking customs, walk out and get a job, paying taxes. They're not hiding in different areas. We don't have to spend all this money trying to track these fucking people. They're a citizen. 
just like we did in the 1800s. But we What's have to make sure they're Other not than, dangerous criminals first, Corey. I was going to say, that's the only difference is this weird fabricated fear that all these people that are coming across the border, that they're rapists and they're fucking murderers, when most of them are Take just trying easy, to Donald flee Trump. rapists and murderers to come here so they can raise their children and have just a fucking life. They're not asking for all the handouts or anything, even like the white fucking liberals and people are in our country that are asking for living wages and stuff like that. They just don't want to be shot and chased down mm-hmm. by cartels. They're okay with working in the fucking farms. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? They're okay with the shitty jobs. When Title 42 came along, there was a huge fucking shortage for seasonal workers on the farms. It's okay. We cut grass. It's okay. It's okay. <laughs> right. And so that's what I'm saying. Like, like, fuck, man. Like, get these people their citizenships. Get them their fucking jobs. Get them their fucking tax ID number. Get them into the country. We need them. One of the only reasons America doesn't face a depopulation problem like the rest of the fucking world is is because of immigration. We have this big problem with Social Security where all these fucking boomers (laughs) that hate the brown people don't even realize that they have to rely on the brown people to come here and pay taxes to pay for their Social Security. It's just, it's fucking, it's a fucking... There's a poll, Jack. (laughs) And it's frustrating to me that it's taking a bunch of Republican governors sending brown people as a political token and a political pawn to these other countries to even make the immigration crisis at the border an issue again. Do you remember how big of an immigration crisis we had at the border when Trump was president? It's inhumane the way they're treating them. Now the roles are flipped. And they're sending them to the countries that said they were going to treat them more humanely. And it's inhumane that they're just sending them around. And it's just, let's just solve the problem where the problem is actually originating at the fucking border. Let's stop doing not in my backyard, Corey. Coup attempts in the middle and down in Latin America and South America. Let's end the war on drugs so we can cut the funding for the cartels that are destabilizing these countries. There's so many more things that we can do, but it doesn't sound as sexy. And it's not, and like, if you've noticed, in a bipolar, in a, uh, you could even call it bipolar, but I was going to say polarized. In a polarized country, problems are never fixed. They're exploited. And that's where we're at. Now we're just shifting around uh, immigrants. Brown people. White people people. wouldn't matter, but brown people. We we got to ship them, ship them around. Uh, we got to talk about uh, Ukraine becoming Duke Nukem. Oh, dude, Ukraine actually is uh, coming out and Ukraine. fucking shit up again. So you- I went down a little rabbit hole. I was back. It's been about six months, but I was watching Ukraine war footage again. Were you? Yeah, I was doing that earlier. How about, the, took a nap how, for how the, about the ghost of Kiev, Corey? Do you have, do we have any... Uh- any updates? No, that was propaganda. <laughs> that's all. <laughs> that was propaganda, dude. I was so pumped about that. I remember, dude. That's so funny. Like, I wish I could slap six month old Corey. Six month old. Six month ago, ago Corey. Corey. <laughs> and six month old Corey, just for the sake of it. Yeah. Just probably, slap the shit out of him. He probably deserved it, but then you'd be beating a child. Like that's so. war propaganda. <laughs> you know better. <laughs> so it appears that Ukraine. Uh, Took back a lot of ground there. 
in uh, in eastern Ukraine. There's all sorts of I don't know if it's, we'll find northern out. Ukraine, northeastern. So it was Can interesting. Say that? It was really that? interesting. North, what, what am I talking about? Yeah, eastern. in a world full of leaks Lost track and of all information being exposed, it, it, they did this crazy thing to where they just muddled the conversation. And all the propaganda and just all the airwaves, everything with a southern offensive. They said we're going south. We're taking back Kherson. We're coming down. We're coming down south. And they really didn't. They came from the north and took out Kharkiv and the northern ends. And they like now there's there. When you look at the map, the way that they're coming around, they're about to cut off supply chains and just encompass. Like in circle, like ten thousand Russian troops is what they're in the process of doing right now. Like they've taken back thousands of square miles in the north. Now in the south, no one's really talking about the significant losses they've taken and the Russian offensive of the one they were projecting. No one's really talking about that because when you're on one side, you don't want to talk about the losing; you want to talk about the winning. But yeah, they're fucking shit up in the north. <laughs> you know, but like that's the thing is like this. What's happening is going to create just enough gumption. And Zelensky knows that. Zelensky knows that he needs to uh, get everything hyped up and make it look like he's worth fighting for. Because let's be honest, we've been training those soldiers since 2014. And it's so crazy to see soldiers that we trained since 2014 being effective versus soldiers we trained in Afghanistan for 20 years. And like they're fucking kicking ass and taking names. Well, and that's part of the with only thirty percent of a count of weapons of what we've given them. <laughs> like the fact that the, the that the Ukrainians have made progress, it's it's just it's so it's it it the whole thing just makes me want to throw up because right because now you know that we're gonna keep throwing them more money and stuff like that. If this was a flop and they lost, the world would have been like, oh, I guess uh, Ukraine belongs to Russia now. Yeah, like, but now you, that they you, gave you, a glimmer of hope, it's like, well, let's just give them more. You don't you you like you. you you're on the side of the Ukrainians because you don't support Putin. But then when you're a realist like you and I are and understand the West's uh, uh, part in this war in the first place and the, and the, 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 the things that we did or didn't do in the West, and I'm not even just talking about the United States, I'm talking about Western Europe as a whole, the things that we did or didn't do to prevent this conflict in the first place what I look for is for this shit to be over. So, like, I see the Ukrainians making up ground, and I go, okay, sweet, they're kicking Putin's ass. But then the other side of me, I'm going, oh, God damn it, you know what this means, don't you? This is going to be used as an excuse to continue to send weapons, to continue to send money, to continue this war as long as possible, to keep the uh, military-industrial complex Going to keep the 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 the, the Raytheons and the Hewlett or I almost said Hewlett Packard. <laughs> <laughs> they probably have some. They, they're probably fans this for it. sure. I guarantee uh, it. But anyway, let's start that conspiracy. Hewlett Packard <laughs> is the major funder of the fucking Ukraine war. All all, all you know, all, it's just the entire military industrial complex to keep building weapons and selling them and c- trying to convince us. That this is all justified, so that so that they can continue to make money, and I just sit here and I go, so more poor ah! people can buy. I'm like, go Ukraine! I hate Putin, but also, god damn it, I want it to be over, and I I don't know what to do. Right? I don't know so what that's to kind think. of where I'm at. Like, if it comes to picking a side, 
I'm going to pick the underdog. I don't know what it is ingrained in my system. I always root for the underdog. I want the Rebels to win, not the Empire. But it's like, fuck, man. It's one Empire fucking just using these poor white people. Why does this sound racist when we say it like that? <laughs> when we talk, we just talked about poor brown people. It's okay, dude. Exploited. We're white and we're dressed like slave owners. We're good. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm Alexander Hamilton, you fuck. <laughs> I don't know who you are over there, fucking Thomas Jefferson. Uh, uh, Francis Scott Key. <laughs> so you wrote the racist song. Good job. Absolutely. <laughs> It's a uh, weird one to pick. <laughs> yeah, I don't know why that one came to my head. Big John Adams, you fuck! <laughs> John Adams was fat and he never dressed nice anyway. But he didn't own any slaves. What's up, Bright Nice? <laughs> oh man. So no, the, that's the other thing I worry about with this with this whole uh, counteroffensive and and with it being successful. It's like I'm like that's awesome, but it's like is there is there a chance that this builds into you know everybody's biggest fear which is that you now uh you're you're closer to like pushing putin into a an, into a dangerous corner or maybe he's gonna well, start using nuclear too. weapons so, okay. i'm glad you went down that route because i was hearing this talk earlier earlier in the week of uh how like if like i think the the end game is to get rid of putin right like we want to get rid of putin there's a right wing faction in For Russia. For God's sakes, that, that is that is equivalent to our military industrial complex that just wants more war, more war, pump it up, pump it up, get it going, make it more extreme. There's a faction in Russia that's doing the same fucking thing, and I just heard this interesting conspiracy little thing that uh, the one guy whose daughter was just killed in that car bombing. Uh, was like a right wing propagandist for the for the Russia oligarchy or whatever. Well, he was a part of that faction that's more extreme about this war than Putin is. Like people, there's people in Russia who want this ramped up to a hundred percent, just like how there's people here who want uh, American boots on the ground. That's happening on both sides. It's not just our side. And there's talks that that might have actually been. <laughs> Fucking the Kremlin, the KGB, Putin, who killed that guy's daughter, going after him because Putin is the one who's in charge. And there's an awful lot of people who go against Putin who fall out of hospital windows and get poisoned and die in mysterious ways. And that they think (laughs) this conspiracy is that Putin was trying to kill him to shut people up in Russia. Which kind of makes a little bit of sense based on the fact that they were he was awfully fucking quiet about that, and there wasn't any real big fallout from it. What do you think about uh, Xi Jinping going to visit Putin? Because my my initial thought was this is Putin trying to uh, quell any sort of uh, misgivings that Xi Jinping might have over. The Ukrainian counteroffensive. Nah, that's just the enemy of my enemy is my friend. Do you think that's all it is? So yeah. So you you don't. You Putin, don't... Uh, Xi, Xi Jinping has no faith in Putin because he saw this military might just flounder in a third world, like what's essentially a third world country. Don't you dare say that. That's our ally. 
It's our ally that's not even in Northern NATO. Ally. That's the thing. Is that they're not our fucking ally. <laughs> Ukraine's not our fucking ally. It's just a geopolitical advantage for us to have them on our side versus them on Russian side. They're that's f- all Ukraine is. They're fighting we the don't have Putinists, any treaty pacts with them. They're not a part of NATO. They're not a part of EU. But they want to be. Yeah. This is a but chance- you, a lot of countries want to be a part of NATO. This is a chance the for them EU. to prove themselves. I don't even know if I'm exactly excited about NATO at all. Are you ready to go to a nuclear war for people in Finland or Ukraine or Scandinavia or Turkey? Am I personally? No. <laughs> right. That's what I'm saying. Like, like, great. Yeah, we want peace in the world. But is creating skirmishes like Ukraine based on our treaties and other treaties and things like that, like creating peace? No. It's pretty obvious. I don't know what the alternative is. I don't have an alternative to that. I like the idea that more nuclear bombs are on our side than the other side. But imagine being on the other side. When when you have less nuclear bombs than the other, it's an existential threat. That's the problem sometimes with Americans living in this bubble. We live in a bubble. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's ultimately what we try to do is like take two steps back. Look at this. You want a little story? Today at work, three guys are walking around for like 15 minutes. I'm across the shop and I'm working on something. I see them all looking around for like 15 fucking minutes trying to figure out where the fuck one of the guys lost one of his earbuds is, right? (laughs) Can't find his fucking wireless headphones. So I have three guys. So now 15 minutes, three guys, that's 45 minutes of labor. (laughs) They're all looking for a headset. They're looking for a little earbud or whatever. And I walk over. I mean, what's going on? They're like, "Ah, I can't find my earbud. I'm not pissed. I'm not a prick. But I'm like, oh, you know, and I look, it takes me two seconds and I find it. And I'm like, oh, it's right here. And they're like, fuck, man. Like we look for like 15 minutes and it's like, no, I get it. Like if you've ever been in that scenario where you're looking for your keys and then someone else just finds them right away, like a prick, mm-hmm. like a real dick. And they're like, oh, they're right here. <laughs> you know where they were the whole and time. It's like, you sometimes get yourself into a box so much and into a bag when you're looking for something that you don't see the perspective on the outside. And it's just, that's what we try to do on our show. And my little story. That's a great segue into our next topic, which is, uh, Gretchen Whitmer pushing for reopening a nuclear power plant in Southwest Michigan. And this, in this, isn't this interesting? Because the first thing I thought was like, this is a democratic governor. Mm-hmm. That is has openly said in statements that she she said this nuclear energy is clean energy. It is, but that's not what Democrats are supposed to say. Ren- no, but there's a very the polls are showing renewables or die. That's the, that's where we're that's that's where we're headed. So Holtec International is seeking to reopen its nuclear power plant in Michigan. With the help of a federal grant, uh, that governor is what Governor Whitmer said last just last week. According to a press release, the company applied for a a grant under the Civil Nuclear Credit Program uh, to restart the Palisades nuclear facility in Southwest Michigan. Officials say the reopening of the facility would protect 600 jobs and the plant. at the plant and 1,100 additional jobs throughout the community and and produce more than 800 megawatts of clean 
power. On Friday, Whitmer sent a letter to the Department of Energy Secretary, Governor, or uh, former Governor Jennifer Granholm, in support of Holtec's great application. Uh, yeah. So there's Grand, that one Grand in Grand Haven. I can't fucking read. And then there's another one in uh, another one in Michigan, actually, that they're going to just keep open. They're not shutting down. Um, and I, so I just I looked up a Gallup poll real quick. This is from May in 2022. And Americans are evenly split on whether nuclear energy should be a source of electricity in the U.S. with 51% in favor and 41% opposed. Now, three years ago, it was tied at 49%. And with fit in in 2016, 54% opposed nuclear power. So we've been talking about that, which which I find interesting because we've been talking about nuclear energy on the show for about a year now, being in favor of it. And it kind of makes me feel good that like the pulse of our show is kind of about like the nuance and the pragmatism and like having just like a, a pretty even keel on like how we want America to be. And polls like this are reflecting where you and I are at, Dan. So if you want, give yourself a little pat on the back. I will. I will. Because yeah. on my petticoat, it's becoming more and more clear um, as the uh, I'll, I'll call them the coastal elite continues to push for renewables. We're talking about wind, solar, hydroelectric. It's just becoming more and more clear that these aren't actually green solutions. Right. Well, so I would, the only thing I would push back on that statement is hydroelectric because we have been using hydroelectric power pretty efficiently for 50, 60 years, like the Hoover Dam and stuff like that. Now we could talk about what happens when water dries up because we're in a real fucked up situation out West, but wind power, solar power, when you really get into like the shine, once you get past the shiny label and the shiny wrapping, we're finding out that like slave labor is making solar panels, Dan. Yeah. We got kids and people in slave camps digging up the metals that we need for these with their literal bare hands. You can look up footage of them using rudimentary tools, sifting through this shit to get a hold of cobalt and stuff like that. It's a real nasty, dirty thing. It's leading to the same type of health hazards that coal mines do. Thousands of birds and this being is, and killed by sucks. wind energy. It sucks because the idea of wind energy and solar energy on the fact of it, where it's like, that's a free source of energy. It sounds great, but we're putting the cart in front of the horse because then like, what do we do? We have all these nasty chemicals in a solar panel. Do we just throw them in a land well, in a landfill with all the plastic bottles that we're trying to get away from. I mean, what do we, you know what I mean? Thing. Like here's, 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 here's a really, really simple way to look at it. And I think it's a, a pretty scientific way to look at it, at least from a layman's perspective is that energy, a little bit of mix of everything. Energy produces waste, dude. There's just no way around the fact that energy produces some sort of waste. So what do we want to do? We want to use an energy that creates the least amount of waste. Nuclear energy does that. If you and I lived our entire lives on nothing but nuclear energy, you and I would each produce a Coca-Cola-sized can of nuclear waste. Now, that what the contents of that Coca-Cola-sized can are remarkably dangerous, right? We have to have a, an efficient way to get rid of that Coca-Cola-sized can. And people go, well, that's a lot of Coke cans that you're getting rid of, but you're talking about one Coke can per person over a 90-year lifespan. All you right. need, all you need is, 
you know, a, a few hundred thousand acres, not you probably wouldn't even need that much, but if you had a few hundred thousand acres that you could just put all this stuff in while we continue to research That's renewables. small brain thinking, Dan. I'm thinking you launch it into space. Even better. You take a fucking Yeah, but dude, what if, what if that rocket based blows up? On- what if that rocket blows up? <laughs> oh, fuck yeah, you're right. You're yeah, right. We're you're all right. screwed. Can't take you know that what? Risk. You're right. Can't take you're right, Dan. You, you know, that is the caveat, but I'm thinking immediately you take a rocket powered by nuclear energy <laughs> and you just find the darkest spot in space and you just send that fucking thing with this nuclear Corey, waste on a projectile that's just going to sit there and propel itself for a hundred fucking years. But here's the problem with that. You want now, to here's, no, here's the problem is something happens and it gets hit by a meteor and it ends up getting sent to a fucking planet with other people on it. That's not and where I was going. They think we're bombing them. That's not where I was going. The uh, the uh, the climate activists would have something to say about that. I, I think I can actually guess what they would say, which is that you launch that thing into space, it could hit a planet with living things on it. And we just That's literally what I was just saying. And that's <laughs> my mind went to them thinking we did it intentionally. <laughs> <laughs> and then thinking we're just trying to bomb them with some rudimentary weapon. PETA is now advocating for aliens at this point. That's where we are. In, in yeah, no, States I get politics. it. But you know, how many people have died from nuclear meltdown? Uh, far less than have died from the complications of fossil fuels. That's what I'm saying. No one even died from Fukushima. In fact, even even though there's still 40,000 people that are evacuated from that area who live there when it melted down, they say that their effects from radiation are going to be negligible. Nobody died from Three Mile Island. Uh, the body count for Chernobyl is kind of... Uh, Nobody really knows. There were some people that died. You know what? It's because it's the first one. Actually, no, Three Mile Island was the first one. Three Mile one. Island was first. They just, they caught it quick enough. Uh, but with Chernobyl, I mean, there, there, the body count is available for who died directly from the accident, but there's there's conflicting data as far as like- the communist nation will do that. Yeah, then. radiation uh, poisoning and all that stuff that's happened from since then. Some some people say it's as, and, low, as, it's as low as a few hundred- Others say it's a few, you know, thousands, you know, it's, it's tough to know, but. Right. And here's the, the, here's the critical thing too, with the three of them is we know, we like, we know for sure unequivocally the problems that cause them. So we know how to fix them. Chernobyl was, what was it? It was a loss of power. So a radiation core overheated. And that, I think that's what sprung the other one. And Three Mile Island. It was a newer facility to where when the one started to overheat, the other one was able to combat it because it was a newer thing. And Fukushima, what happened was... And there were warnings about Fukushima. Well, not not even just that. Like The way that their stuff was set up was they had everything in place to stop a power outage. And they had generators set up to pump water into the core to keep it cool to stop a meltdown. The problem is that freak accident of that tsunami flooded the uh, the generators that were powered by diesel, not even powered no, by nuclear Corey, energy. They, they just had they were warned, and so these they were warned in Fukushima about the the uh, about the seawalls that they weren't good enough. Were they that if there was a tsunami, there was going to be a fucking problem? You know, much like. Katrina and the levee. It's breaking. like everybody knew. You know, there were plenty of warnings. Taking a piece of electrical tape and putting it over the uh, 
the engine warning light in your car. Just we're just gonna pretend that that's not there. But yeah, so like now we know. But like I bet you that will never ever happen again, Dan. And now we know that we can't put generators that are designed to pump water underground because there's a chance of that failing. Fair enough. And there's Nuc- different nuclear is good, dis- and Gretchen Whitmer recognizes it, so we're happy here in Michigan. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's I'm I'm happy about it. I'm not upset about it. You want to give the people a union update while I go take a leak? I got a hey, piece go take a leak. so bad. Get after it, Corey. All right, you got to run all the way up those. Hold on, stairs, hold on. I'm going to I'm going to put you on. I'm going to put you on so I can listen to what you're saying while I'm taking a leak. And go. And go. All right. So, unions right now are and just fucking taking off like a goddamn rocket compared to how it's been the last like 30 or 40 years and so right now we're actually facing a huge uh um what's the word i'm looking for we're facing a huge deterrence or we're actually avoiding a huge catastrophe of a two billion dollar a day issue of the rail lines who were who just got cut a deal the day before their deadline for a strike. And we're talking a strike that would have like shut down all the rail lines all throughout the whole country. And it came down to such a, so close to the deadline that other rail lines like Amtrak where Amtrak uses uh, the, the freight rail lines for they use the freight rail lines for their passenger trains to travel back and forth across the country because there's not enough rail lines to have two separate lines going at the same time. And so we came so close to the deadline for the freight line for the freight liner uh, workers strike that Amtrak had to stop because they were afraid the trains would just be <laughs> stuck in the middle of nowhere when other trains had to stop. They had to stop doing grains and hazardous materials because they didn't want either of those just on rails in the middle of nowhere. If all the workers just said, fuck you and took a step out. And so we got really close to that happening. And here's the thing though, is like these workers, they're all unionized and they've been on this. They've been in these negotiations now for, let's see, the Biden administration has been involved in, I think roughly six months, but they've been working on this stuff for two years, maybe. And so they've been sitting here and just trying to make it to where like, and like, this is what's crazy to me is this wasn't even about money. This wasn't even about benefits necessarily. These union workers just wanted some paid time off. These guys were on call virtually 24-7. You hear these different interviews of these workers where they would be able to be off being on call for 10 hours. They would go and have to drive a train for three days, come home and not be bothered for 10 hours before they were back on call. Now, they wouldn't necessarily be called to be brought back to work within the 10 hours, but they couldn't go on vacation with their family or nothing because... Couldn't even schedule a doctor's appointment, Corey. That's how... Right. They're they on a point they system. They're on a point system like you have that, like, fucking Menards. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, these part-time jobs, these guys, like, couldn't even just fucking just go and take time off when they need it. So, after 20 straight hours of negotiating negotiations down to the deadline the companies actually have paid to pay for sick leave for the first time 
And these are the deal. These are the parts of the deals that, which, in all reality, they still have to vote on them. But they're probably going to pass. That's like that's the way, like the whim, like the winds of the way this deal was made is like going. But they have voluntary assigned days off and one additional paid day off. The unions actually were fighting for fifteen, but this might be like I will take one. But they're guaranteed time away for medical visits, and they're not going to get docked for it. And there's no disruption to current healthcare plans. And this is why I'm saying it's really about just like the quality of life, the life work balance, because this new deal only offers a 24% raise, but that's not even like like boom right now. That's over the next five years. And then an annual lump sum bonus of $5,000. So in all reality, they're only getting a couple, like $5,000 more a year. So they're getting a nice little decent chunk on their uh, salary. But this was really about just being like, hey, give me some time to myself. Yeah, it's. And when you really think about it, the fact that there isn't time to themselves is probably like almost a uh, like a vicious cycle because they're not offering this work life balance to their employees. They're not attracting new people. So because they're not attracting new people, that excessive workloads fall on the on the existing people. So then the existing people are getting more and 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 more more work piled on top of them because they can't attract new workers because these workers are like, fuck not being able to hang out with my family. You, well, that's the thing is you, it it was, it was never about money. Like I, it's the same thing we talk about with, you know, um, Amazon in particular, not so much Starbucks, but definitely Amazon. Like it's not even about extra money. Like, that's 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 the that's the that's the strange thing about capitalism, and it's where I disagree with libertarians a um, lot. Real quick, so Go this per, uh, this person, I'm sorry to cut you off. This person goes, "Can you name another profession that got a five percent plus five k lump sum wage increase this year?" So me personally, no, I can't. My job. Oh, well, you my did. Job. You did for sure. Yeah, I typically we like. I don't have a union job, but all the benefits I get are like a union. And I think it's because we have a smart owner of our business that goes, why deal with all that shit when I could just take care of them the right way? But there's millions of other workers out there that don't get things like that. Like for me, for me in particular, I, and I have a sales job and I work on commission, but what I would say is this, I would much rather my company give me four, five, even four, five, six more vacation days then give me a higher percentage in commission. And that's 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 the thing. And it's one of the big issues I have with capitalism and turning profits. And it's where I disagree with libertarians a lot on like the free market fixes everything. If you just you know, if you just let the if you just let the market figure it out, it'll work out. And it's like that's not always the case because I I not everybody wants more money. Sometimes they just want to be able to fucking rest for a little bit. You know, sometimes right. they want that 40 hour week. To be right. the a work forty hour balance. week, you know, because- they want to go and go to their kids' soccer game on Saturday. They want to go take their family on vacation on the weekends. They want to be able to. And it's interesting actually because these are two new people. So welcome, avenging pineapple, and not to, and uh, no no to bud. <laughs> he said no to bud. I think he might be anti uh, cannabis. <laughs> but uh, either that or friends. I don't know. <laughs> it's one or the other. <laughs> But uh, yeah, so Avenging Apple said thanks to Biden, the strike was averted. And you know what? 
He is right. There's because, some truth like, to that, yeah. Um, this is kind of not necessarily breaking news. It did come out almost 12, you know, 16 hours ago or whatever. But uh, we our show prep on Tuesday, we planned on coming on the show today going, oh, man, tomorrow's the day. But Biden's administration and uh, what is it? The Secretary of Transportation. But no, see, it wasn't Buttigieg. It was. Uh, <laughs> it's it there's a lot Buttigieg. of. Uh, yeah, the 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 CAW, I think it is the acronym. I can't remember what it stands for, whatever. But the, or there's the rails, like all these different people that are involved in this. But they had an active hand in this. And like my thing tonight was going to be like, what is Biden going to do? Is he going to pull a Reagan in 81? And fire all them like Reagan did to the air, uh, the airport workers. Or is he going to let an inflation skyrocket and be a pro union like an FDR? But he did navigate this one pretty well. Uh, like, you know, yeah, I, I promise it wasn't him sitting there with a bunch of fucking conductors. Listen here, and Jack. Warren Buffett. You need to get back <laughs> yeah, in that train, Jack. It wasn't him sitting here with Warren Buffett and a bunch of conductors going, the pole, all right, guys, I got the plan. But his administration didn't navigate this one okay. And now we're going to see these workers be a little bit happier. And it's a trend that we're seeing in our country right now that's going absolutely bonkers with unions. We're going absolutely insane. Um, we have 15,000. And like and this goes back to the work-life balance we're talk- talking about right now, right? 15,000 Minnesota nurses just walked off the job that are going on strike as well. And it's also not about money. They, they, they're quoted. One of the people is quoted saying, we are not on strike for our wages. We're fighting for the ability to have some say over our profession and the work life balance. Mm -hmm. So we're seeing, it's interesting to see that we're seeing a bunch of like service industries and we're seeing a bunch of like blue collar workers some of them are fighting like the lower paid ones are fighting for wages and fighting for a work-life balance. And then we're seeing higher paid professions because conductors and stuff aren't paid peanuts. They're paid good money. That strike I said, like I said, it wasn't about wages necessarily as evidenced by a 24% raise over five years. That's like a dollar, maybe two a year. And, and that's the and thing, is like, seeing... it's not a new thing, Corey, because like, I think all of us have had that boss at some point in their lives where you're like, you're, you're talking about moving on to a different position and they go, well, I'll pay you more. I'll pay you more. And I, and I've had this happen. I know for sure. I'm like, I, I looked at the guy and said, I don't give a shit about more money. Like I'll take it if you're offering it. Don't, don't get me wrong. But it's like, that's not, that's not why I'm doing this. I'm burnt out. I got nothing left. You right. know what I mean? And it's like. Why do I give a shit if you're giving me more money when I can't spend it, when I can't do anything with it? Because I'm always here. Right. People just want to be able to live their lives and have some money to do it. No one like it's not about being rich. It's it's about just being treated like a decent human being. Like um what else do I got here? Um Wells Fargo, which is crazy. It's the first uh union contract in the banking industry in 40 years the cwa it's the committee um let me see if i can find the uh the committee for better banks i don't know why it's called cwa but there's bank workers that are unionizing we're talking about white collar people Mm -hmm. um conde nast it's a uh it's something it's it's uh people to do with 
um, publications and news and stuff like that. It's a news guild. They're uh, um, uh, unionizing. I mean, we got... Uh, what else do I got here? I got those. Starbucks is still unionizing insanely. Those guys are out there trying to get more blue-collar workers. I mean, uh, more service industry workers becoming unionized. We have unions popping up all over the country. And now me, as someone who is fundamentally has like small L, which is a term I'm about to start using more often. I hear people talk about that small L libertarian libertarian versus big L. Yeah. I'm small L libertarian in the fact that like, I think in a lot of situations and scenarios, we could have less government. And I'm going to make the argument right now, because I've made it before that I think more unions equals less government. So I'm a hundred percent for unions because if the people are able to make it's a, it's more it's more set more localized, more decentralized, that in the individual business, the workers, as a party of the people, are able to communicate and effectively have the strength behind them to negotiate with their with their bosses that we don't need the fucking government coming in and telling them what to do with minimum wages and stuff like that. That's the thing. Let me, let me give you a small amount of pushback because I I think I have like unionization looks great right now because of the, the, the shitty way that workers are treated. And I'm with you on that. And I want more unionization, but I feel about unions similarly to the way that I feel about capitalism on their own government in itself, because when it gets big enough, just capitalism, hear me out. Uh, I feel the same way about unions that I feel about capitalism. I think on their own, on the surface, they're good for people, for society. The problem is with unions as well as capitalism, when they start becoming intertwined with government, that's when you start running into problems. That's when you start having the issues that we've seen with the teachers' union. And that's just a union yep, spending example. Spending more, yep. You know, you're right. You're absolutely right. You know, teachers' union are spending more money on campaign donations than they are on negotiating contracts for their employees. Hundred percent. And that's like, bad. And when it comes to capitalism, unions in general, when they get we too all know big, the it's almost. Yep. Like when a union gets too big, it's just like government. It gets corrupt. It gets bogged down. And that's why, like, Christian Smalls, the one who started the Amazon unions, did the best thing he fucking could of just creating his own, the ALU. It wasn't some Packers union, you know. I think that's what actually, like, you know, the Green Bay Packers, that was based on the union, right? Meat Packers. Yeah, the Meat Packers is the Packers union, yeah. Yeah, so. So, you know, that's also, like, it's funny, too, because, like, since we're talking about unions and stuff, we can break down a stereotype real quick if you want. You ever hear of the term redneck? Of course, you know where the, the term redneck the comes the from. I mean, everyone knows the term redneck about oh, don't take my guns, <laughs> but you know where the term redneck actually comes from. We're talking about miners, right? Miners unionized white miners in the 19th century. White miners were unionizing with their black counterparts to tell the minor mine owners to fuck off because there was a time when they were basically indentured servants when they were telling them the making them or paying them with company store money and offering them houses and basically making these people indentured servants and sending children into the mines and stuff. And these guys started to create a solidarity movement and they were wearing red scarfs. 
And it came to the point where like 10,000 of them went up on this mountain. And I forget what fucking mountain it was. But like 10,000 of them went up on this mountain and got in a fight with the police, shooting them. And then they got in a big fight and a bunch of them died and got arrested. And they didn't win that war. But it was movements like that is what created workers' rights. But political violence violence is bad no matter what, Corey. It's bad no matter what. Rednecks are fucking left-loving, socialist, anti-segregationists. Revisionist history likes to paint them in a country that's completely against socialism, communism, and unionizations and calling each other comrades. We've repainted what a redneck was as a dumb hick who lives in the mountains, when in reality, they were socialists, and they were communists, and they were gun-loving fucking leftists. Because like we always say on this show, when you go left enough, you get your guns back, and if you read Marxism, under no pretext shall the worker be disarmed. Whoa. Central speaking of unions, I just figured I'd go down that little rabbit oh, hole for you. Little just... tidbit of history. Redneck was talking about communists, not bodunk inbred racists. You got to me. Is that the end of your update? You up shall, a I bit, my, right? shall I get to my monologue? Yeah, go ahead and get we'll, to your monologue. We'll want to talk, we'll talk about that a little bit anyway, I'm sure. So, oh, hold on. Here it is. Got it. Abortion, states' rights, and why we should be like Kansas. Earlier this week, South Carolina Senator Lindsey Graham introduced Americans to one of the first possible bills to hit the floor of Congress following the November midterms. This is assuming that Republicans clean up in the House and Senate as has been predicted for much of 2022's calendar year, with some pullback on those predictions as of late due to polling numbers involving a very hot-button issue. You guessed it, abortion. Senator Graham's proposed bill has to do with that very topic. To summarize, the bill would ban abortion at the federal level after 15 weeks of pregnancy with with exceptions for things like rape, incest, and health dangers for the mother, among a few other exceptions. As I often try to do when it comes to hot-button issues like laws surrounding abortion, I try to take my emotions out of the equation before rendering opinion on on this possibly historic bill. I'm generally a progressive cultural libertarian type when it comes to matters of body autonomy and medicine. So as many of my avid listeners and readers may know, I was not exactly happy about the Dobbs decision to overturn Roe v. Wade earlier this year. But after spending more time, more than I had ever considered before, reviewing the law from the perspective of an intellectual idiot, I came to the conclusion that though I wish Roe had stayed on the books, I understood that it was constitutionally a pretty flimsy precedent. I was also not willing to let progressive liberals off the hook for failing to codify a law that so many women find to be one of the most important to them over the course of 70 years, which is what they had. With decisions on abortion going back to the states after the Dobbs decision, 
I wasn't necessarily happy about it, but I could live with it from a legal perspective. I chose to stay away from the fear-mongering about how some handmaid's tale type of Christian dystopia being peddled by the establishment Democrats and limousine liberals in order to scare us into voting Democrat. A vote that would simply put the Democratic establishment into firm power in order to continue the status quo of promising the world and delivering a few blades of dried-up crabgrass. So what about this bill? What makes sense about it, and what makes me want to bash my head against defense post? Because believe it or not, this bill provides both. Let's start with what makes sense. The biggest thing that makes sense about this bill to me is the 15-week mark. You may ask how a progressive cultural libertarian type, how I can possibly believe this makes sense. The reason is based on precedent sent by European nations that folks only like to bring up when it fits their narrative on things like socialism and climate change. The fact is that the majority of these liberal European nations have set abortion limits ranging ranging from 6 weeks to 24 weeks, with most sitting between 12 and 18 weeks. It's that simple. Nations that are widely regarded as, quote, more liberal than the United States have limits that would put us right in the middle if this law were to come to fruition. But there are a few things that that don't make sense to me about this bill. The first is the issue of states' rights, something conservatives love to talk about, again, when convenient. The overturning of Roe v. Wade gave the states the right to make their own decisions and laws regarding abortion. That's great. End of story, right? Wrong. Trying to put a federal ban on abortion, regardless of time frame, does just the opposite. That's it. That's all I have to say on states' rights issue. It should be pretty self-explanatory. You're either for it or you're against it. The second is the dishonest nature of the bill. While Lindsey Graham and other Republicans that support it may say things like compromise and tout the European limits on abortion that I mentioned earlier, it's bullshit. If the bill put the abortion debate to bed, if a 15-week ban were just the law of the land, that's the end of the discussion, I'm not sure I or many Americans would be jumping for joy over it, but given the polling numbers on the subject, we'd be able to live with it because it would be done. It would be over. But we all know it will only be a stepping stone. We all know the religious right will stop at nothing to procure an all-out ban on abortion, and Lindsey Graham, among other Republicans, needs their votes. So to conclude, just leave it. Leave abortion law at the states as you wanted. The Constitution worked in that regard. Now let them figure it out for themselves, with one caveat, of course. Do it with ballot initiatives, not lawmakers passing laws that are clearly unpopular with the public. Never thought I'd say this. Let's be like Kansas. I always knew I'd say this as a native Detroiter. Let's never be like Kansas. Indiana. Yeah, no, it's uh, <laughs> Corey's letting that one digest uh, a little bit. Yeah, it's 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 interesting. So for me, the way he came, it's 
there's a lot to unpack here. So we could talk about the real like political infighting of how the how the Republicans freaked out when Lindsey Graham introduced this bill, like well, like nine or ten o'clock at night. Yeah, like there is a certain faction of conservatives. McConnell himself was like, "That's just too much." Well, Lindsey Graham said that, not me, because <laughs> like he was all about giving it back to the states. And so there is this little faction in the party that's like getting ahead of itself and like saying, "Damn the polls!" This is how I really feel, and it's not necessarily going their way. But at the same time, before Roe v. Wade was overturned. Turned. Could you imagine Lindsey Graham coming out with this bill? Because it was settled, he could have this hardline position of being, no, I'm completely against abortion. But now that the polls say this, he has to like pander to his base the best he can, but also follow the polls. Well, and then and that's one thing that like I guess I'll give Republicans credit for is like they're paying a little bit closer attention to those polls. Yeah, it's so that's it too. They, this show is they're really paying attention to the polls, not a little bit. He's following the polls to a T because what he's uh, uh, suggesting in this bill lines up with all of Europe basically to a T. Mm-hmm. And we can we uh, reference Europe when it comes to social and political and ideological views often when it talks about being progressive. He's being progressive. <laughs> based on the world view isn't that fucking weird <laughs> it's fucking weird man that's so and that's weird. what makes it a thing but like i get what you're saying absolutely just you know like if anything proves anything you throw it to the states it's gonna uh lower the the barometer the you know the pressure in the country and make it more localized where everyone else can focus on their state like everyone has to like and like I I, I I forget how I worded it before, but I think I might actually be able to word it a little bit better this time. You know what's when Corey, this is when shit hits the fan and everyone has to you know like let's say like something happens wild you know like it's at some event where everyone's together and everyone like let the police show up. The police show up at a party and you're 15 years old and there's 50 people there. The first thing you're gonna do is make sure you get out. And then you're going to grab the people you came with. And then as soon as you guys are safe, you're going to start texting your friends and making sure everyone else is okay. Yeah. That's what the overturning of Roe v. Wade did. It's making everyone recede to their states and focus on their bubble. And then they're going to make sure that their bubble is okay. And then when they can, they can help each other and help the other people. I was just thinking, but you want to pass a bill? If everyone, you know what I mean? Go ahead. You want to pass a bill? I don't even know if this would be legal. It's just something that came to my head, and we can look it up and maybe regroup on it next week or whatever. Oh, and then Scott, uh, real quick, also, he made this this comment. When are you going to address government overreach on snuff boxes? And I'm going to address that in a second because it's interesting. I just want him to know that I'm going to do that, so he sticks around. Go ahead. What I was going to say is, you want to pass a bill, and we can we can check into the legality of this. It just came came to came to my brain. Why not pass a bill that says that uh, if you if you are going to pass a law on abortion from a state perspective, it has to be in a ballot initiative? I don't even know if that's legal. I don't even know if you could do that. I don't even know if that's constitutional. But that's just that's just how I feel it should be done. 
It has to be via ballot initiative. It's probably not constitutional. I'm probably an idiot. It just well, that's just I don't like it. It wouldn't necessarily be for or against constitutionality. Ballot initiatives are a lot. I think are based on like state law. I wish there was more direct democracy with ballot initiatives, as long as it did in us. Like ballot initiatives on most topics. But they can't supersede the Constitution. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know how you would word that type of. But isn't that isn't that the best way to do it? Like, if you really want to get get the people's pulse in your state, instead of having lawmakers writing up bills and passing them in state Congress. But damn, if it's all a bunch of ballot initiatives, then who's how? What's the need for all these representatives? Without government, you wouldn't need ballot initiatives. But yeah, no, it's, so it's interesting to see Lindsey Graham come out with this thing that still seems like super hard right, but it's like literally like such a fucking ridiculous jump forward it, than what it was. It's actually pretty like, liberal. It's weird. When we liberal. talk about the goalpost getting moved left or right, we're talking about the right goalpost getting moved from the touchdown zone to like the 35, 40 yard line. It's just, it's always been interesting to me how how toward like okay so the issue of abortion in the united states as it compares to the rest of the world it's like it's just so weird that we're it's absolutist that we're so absolutist i guess it's so but like like in europe we're like they're just not as anal about it it's just like this is our law and we're super liberal over here it's okay i don't know it's just weird to me yeah, it's pretty insane. But like like I said, like it's insane how even though how absolutist it was, how much the Republicans just buckled on this. Even though 15 weeks sounds insane, so he just created a new watermark for the Republican Party. Now it's going to be completely unadulterated, unregulated abortion so, versus so in a weird 15 way, weeks. In a weird way and, I, and with I, with the inclusion of rape incest or health to the mother being anytime after that. Don't forget that. He mentioned that too after did. 15 weeks. If it's rape incest or health of the mother, then that it's still allowed, but that was going to be the federal law he tried to ban. So in or they tried to institute. So so after so after the the limousine liberals that'll never have that'll be able to get an abortion no matter what they want calm down for a second should they maybe be giving a like a silent round of applause to Lindsey Graham for kind of moving that right let, like let's really think a about bit? this if that's the federal law the blue states can still make it whatever they want but this is what's going to be the law in the red states well no it'll be the law throughout the country but- no because states states laws would still over superseded i'm assuming i like you know what i mean like it's gonna be like marijuana i bet because ags prosecutors supreme courts in the states if the state isn't gonna (laughs) fucking pursue a case then it doesn't fucking matter right okay purple states will have an issue so this would be the stop gate this is what would make it law in red states but blue states would essentially be able to get a pass on doing whatever they want yeah, but not without really. saying that it's a yeah, it's a it's a but fe- blue, but but would Democrats would never ever ever fucking vote for this because the optics are fucking terrible. Yeah, but it's still, and if it's they still had an the issue, time Corey, to go on you would TV have, and explain, like, you would have, but you you have purple states like Michigan where we live, where you're going to have a Republican and then you're going to have a Democrat, and then it's like, is it are we just going to switch back and forth? Like, what are we going to do here? 
a purple state like ours would probably it would we'd be forced to have a hand in litigation. Blue states would be like, sure, that's what they're gonna say. We're not going to enforce it. Red states are gonna be like, then we're enforcing this to a T. A purple state like ours, unfortunately, it, but it's gonna be murky until we get it in the books. That's, but that's Corey. In this the is, meantime, while Corey. we get it in the books, this is you advocating meantime, we, for a for a national divorce, right? <laughs> No, 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 I'm not at all. What I'm saying is like in purple states like ours, in the meantime, while we get our shit figured out, worst case scenario is 15 weeks. And I know that my devil's advocate argument right here sounds like I'm advocating for Lindsey Graham's bill. And I'm absolutely not. I don't think the government has any place in what people do with their bodies when it comes to like a personal liberty in between a choice between themselves and their doctor and how they're going to live their life. This is the, this is the worst case scenario versus fucking Oklahoma trying to do six weeks, you know, and shit like that. I'll 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 swallow this pill with a fucking big old glass of water. You understand what I'm saying? Before you hurt yourself, get the snuff boxes. <laughs> okay, yes. All right. So Scott, I appreciated this comment because I feel like nobody is even going to get the reference when you're talking about government overreach on snuff boxes. But so what, what Scott here is talking about, and if he's still listening, correct me if I'm wrong, you're talking about Benjamin Franklin getting a snuff box from the King of France and just taking it home. And that the government at that time where accountability and transparency was so important they had to actually have hearings about whether or not Benjamin Franklin could keep that box or not. And we have come so far with transparency and accountability in our government to this point to where we have people like Pelosi and her husband spending money on stock in NVIDIA when they're passing chips bills to where like that at that point in time, if that was happening in the 1700s, Pelosi and her husband would probably be tar and feathered. But now, the idea of a snuffbox gift from another political leader to a political leader here in our country is laughable, and it's just how far we've came. And I don't know if Scott's still even watching, but like this, like his, it's a very obscure reference, and I really, really appreciated that, Scott. And I just want you to know that I, I think was he, sitting on it squirming. I think he saw our, uh, our uniforms and <laughs> just assumed we came from the past. Where I, <laughs> that was awesome. We appreciate it, Scott. That was uh Yeah, dude. I love question. I love a super super obscure reference like that with a snuff box. Everyone else is like, what the fuck is he talking about? But it's like, no, that's actually like you want me to give the, the def- you, want me to give, you want me to give the definition? At least this, this is from Wikipedia. A snuff box is a decorative box. Uh it was a form of packaging that was generally used uh just as just for functionality, but also intended to be a decorative decorative and artistic piece of art uh many such boxes were used for promotional packaging both commercially and privately historical objects are usually called ca- that are usually called castic caskets uh if larger than a few inches uh if smaller generally known as a snuff box yeah now benjamin franklin's the one he got from the king was like encrusted in diamonds and had a picture of the king on it and stuff like that but we're talking about a time when france and america were like really buddy buddy like we were bending each other over and gargling each other you know what i mean like oh, <laughs> like we were we were buddies um gunner said the poll, jack 
government don't tell us shit. They all got to go. <laughs> like, well, I agree. It's so it's so funny <laughs> I because I just I just saw a post from our from our fave one of our favorite pages to troll. We've got a few on both the left and the right, but one of our favorites is uh happens to be on the left, Occupy Democrats. Uh they they had shown a picture of a t-shirt um it's something about promoting getting out like Lauren Boebert and uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene and uh, uh, Turtle McConnell, among others. And uh, you know what I said? I, I commented and I said, it, when, when, you add, when you add Pelosi, Schumer, and AOC to that, to that uh, uh, shirt, I'll buy 50 of them. <laughs> you can pass even, them out. You can even choose friends. where you put them in the middle of those Republicans. But as long yeah, put as put them on the back, there, I don't give a shit. If, whatever, I'll I'll uh, I'll buy fifty of them. Dude, that would actually. You know what? That might actually be a funny shirt. Then imagine if you had a shirt that says "Impeach these assholes" on both sides. Like on the back, it would say it, and on the front, they would say it. <laughs> and then on one side of the shirt, you have like a bunch of Republicans. Ooh. And then on the other side, you have a bunch of Democrats. You're giving people ideas. Somebody's going to take advantage of this. Because then, because then, like, if you're, like, walking and someone's, like, they can just say, hey, I love this shirt. And then you could turn around and then it's, like, the other side, like, their side probably and be like, oh, you like this shirt? And then if someone goes, nice shirt, asshole, and you can be like, oh, you probably like this side better. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like that's a great fucking shirt. We better do this before uh, somebody takes advantage it's, of it. Yeah, our no, idea. it's it's like uh when someone goes, What well, you're taking down statues of Robert E. Lee, then we should take down statues of Obama. And it's like that's fine. I don't give a shit. Obama was killing kids <laughs> in the Middle East. Like, take them both down. Robert E. Lee was fighting for some traitors who it's he'd lost. That's a participation trophy knocked that statue down and then that statue of obama sure he was using uranium depleted fucking bullets over there killing brown people knock that statue down too great let's knock them all down uh cory before we go tell the people where they could find us real quick gunner he goes america has been at war 93 percent of the time 222 out of 239 years since 1776 from 2017 lol we are on we are war nations, so we like war. We do. Look at all the games we play. I don't know. I don't Gooder, know. I don't know. This if is that... the first time you found our show. We, you know, I appreciate you coming and hanging out. This is the kind of stuff we talk about all the time. So if you want to subscribe, I don't know. Maybe hit that subscribe button. I'm not we... going to tell you what to do. Corey and I can't confirm the uh, 222 out of 239 years of existence that America's been at war, but you know, it sounds right. So we'll go with it for now. It, it did. <laughs> I mean, that's. Those aren't statistics. I'm shocked at, Dan. <laughs> I don't know if it's. I don't know if it's real, but it sounds good. So we'll, we'll roll. It with sounds it. about right. <laughs> um, <laughs> Libservative podcast is found on all social media and podcast platforms. Our website is podpage.com/slash/libservative. We can be found at Libservative on Facebook, YouTube, and Twitch, Instagram, and Twitter at Libservative Pod. You can find our transcripts at Libservative Podcast at WordPress.com. Our TikTok videos can be found at Libservative Podcast, and you can reach out directly at libservativepod at gmail.com. Like, follow, share, subscribe. In the very least, tell one friend about where you heard this wild shit and you just saw two guys just like fucking founding fathers bitching about politics. Tell them where you found us. Give us a review. Come hang out. We do this every Thursdays at 7.30. And until next time, he's been Corey Walsh. And he has been 
Dan Griffin. This has been Libservative, and we are out of here. We the people cannot stand that.